Welcome to Passion Life Church. Welcome to part three of the Lord's Prayer. And it's been such a powerful, powerful study. And um, I'm just going to be honest with you. Last week I had a gentleman that met me in the lobby and uh, literally with tears in his eyes. And he said, I pray this prayer every every day going to work. And he said, the understanding that I got last week at, at, in the service, he said, it just made it such m- more impactful for my life. And that's really what it is. Um, and just as we dive in, if you would allow me just to give you a minute or two of review. I know some of you may have been busy a couple Sundays and haven't been uh, here, but I just want to give you a little bit of context. I think sometimes when we look at the Lord's Prayer, we look at it as a stand standalone statement that Jesus made. And yet, it's not a standalone statement. It's actually a part of a huge message that Jesus was talking about. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount? And you can read it in Matthew chapter 5. I believe it starts. It goes all the way uh, to verse 7. And if you read the Sermon on the Mount, here's the context. Because can I just be honest, and, and I want to help you. When you read your Bible, you never just take a scripture, take it out of context. What you want to do is you want to look at what is being said before and what is being said after. So in this context is the sermon, uh, uh, is, is the Lord's Prayer. It's a part of the Sermon on the Mount. What was the Sermon on the Mount about? Well, the Sermon on the Mount was about Jesus talking about children of God. How many children of God do we have in the house today? And he's talking about if you are children of God, then you are a citizen of heaven. And so he, in the Sermon on the Mount, starts to talk about these traits that he wants us to exhibit, that have daily traits. There's, he talks about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. He talks about he wants us to be peacemakers. And he talks about how you and I are the salt and the light of the earth. And I love it. He says we're supposed to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I love that. And then he talks about loving your neighbors. Loving your neighbors. And he also talks about loving your enemies. Now, I know when we read that, those are the pages in the Bible we just want to pull out and go, Mm-mm, you don't know my enemies. Well, Jesus says, in those traits that we have, he will actually empower us, and that's huge, to live these things out. And these traits aren't just for us to hear about on Sunday and come to church at a 10 o'clock service and go, I'm going to be a peacemaker at service. And then as soon as I pull out of the parking lot, it's like, get away. You know, it's not It's daily traits, and we're going to read that today in just a moment because we're going to talk about daily bread, which again just reaffirms that Jesus is saying to us, this is for daily living, daily life. Now, why am I saying that also? Because sometimes with the Lord's Prayer, we think that it is just kind of out there, and yet Jesus is saying, I want it to be a part of your daily, daily life. And so I think we have to quit looking at the Lord's Prayer as just a standalone statement. These are daily truths. And it's not just for special occasions that we would read the, you know, the, 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 the Lord's Prayer at a city council meeting. It's not just for that. It's for daily living. Can I hear a good amen? 
If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, uh, we have a big Bible right behind me. Or you can turn or you can scroll. Come on, somebody. You can scroll with your new iPhone 7, right? You can scroll. Yeah, a little shout out there. Maybe God will give me a free one. So anyway, you got to try, right, Luke? You just got to try. So you can turn there. But if not, we've just been saying this together because I think it's so powerful. And if you would, they're going to put it up on the screen. Uh, let's start with verse 9. Can we just all, I know it sounds like hooked on phonics, but that's okay. We're saying the Lord's Prayer. So let's just all say it together. Can we say that? Let's say it. One, two, three. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus said in the beginning, our father, which art in heaven, Jesus was saying that he wanted his father to be our father. And it's not just their father, the father, it's our father. And I think that's going to help us today to understand as we look into verse 11. That's where we're going to focus on. Jesus said to pray this. Listen to these words. Give us this day our daily bread. This day our daily bread. It's interesting that he uses the word daily here because it's telling us and telling you, Jesus is saying pray this because our Father wants to be a part and engaged in our daily life. Daily life. As a matter of fact, our Father cares about what we go through daily. You're not bugging him. I've heard people say, you know, Pastor Phil, I just, you know, I just don't know if I should pray about that. I don't want to bug God. You are not bugging God. Listen, if he couldn't handle all of our prayers at one time, how many of you know he wouldn't be God? He's God. Why? Because we can give it all to him. We can talk to him. And he can handle it all on a daily basis. And Jesus said, pray Give us this day our daily bread. You know, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're acknowledging that God, listen, is the author and the source of all of our blessings. He's the source of all of our blessings. And we are acknowledging when we pray this, I want you to hear this, we are acknowledging that those blessings that we have come from him. I talk to people all the time, and I love to talk to people. And um, I hear people say, well, you know, I'm a self-made man. Oh, really? And in other words, they're saying everything that I have, I made. Well, listen, without air in the atmosphere that God gave you, we would all be nothing. And we, we get up every day, and sometimes we take those things for granted. But listen, none of us are self-made. We are created by God. Can I hear a good amen? And God is saying, he's like, when you wake up in the morning, I want you to think this way. God, give us, give me today our daily bread. Now, here is what's really cool. One of the definitions in the Greek. Now, 
If you don't know this, the New Testament is written in Greek. And the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. So what I do is I go in and I look up these words. And you can do it too. It's in a Strong's Concordance, a Greek-English dictionary. Some people asked me this last week. How do you get those words? I've never heard it explained like this. I said, well, I just look in a Strong's Concordance. And my church family, can I just say... Just because you haven't heard it like this before doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means you haven't heard it like this before. And I'm glad that you come to our church because you have a pastor who's going to dig in and I'm going to find stuff. And when I hear this stuff, there's a part of me that says, how come nobody talked about this at church when I was growing up? Because we got to dig in. We got to study. But here's the definition or one of the definitions of the word bread in the Greek. Listen to this. The word bread actually means all the necessities for the sustenance of life. All the necessities for the sustenance of life. It also means the source of strength. So Jesus is saying, when I get up in the morning and daily thinking, again, this is daily thinking, I'm supposed to say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me, give us this day anything that I need to sustain my life today. And my church family, do you know that that also includes physical sustenance and emotional sustenance? In other words, God wants to help you not only physically, but he also wants to help you emotionally. I think sometimes we just think God wants to help us spiritually because he's God. He's just interested in our spirits. You know what? He's interested in your physical. He's interested in your mental He's interested in your emotional well-being, my church family. And he's saying that in one statement, when we say, give us this day our daily bread, we're saying, God, whatever I need today to sustain my life, be that source of strength to me today. And what's interesting is he says, give us, right, our daily bread. That is a personal pronoun. It's the same, this is cool, this is the same Greek word, our, that Jesus starts the prayer with, our Father. So he's saying, our Father which art in heaven, our daily bread. Now listen, it's a personal pronoun. Why do you emphasize that, Pastor Phil? I emphasize that because what you may need on a daily basis may be different than what I need on a daily basis. Your emotional needs, I don't know why I'm doing this, but it feels emotional. Your emotional needs may be a little different than my emotional needs. Can I hear a good amen? There are days, I don't know if you have them, maybe you are a little more spiritual than I, but I wake up and I feel emotional and I don't even know why. But my emotions are just going like this. And I don't know why I had a good day. Have you ever had those? And you just kind of, your emotions are going. But here's, here's what Jesus is saying, and this is, we have to make it personal for us every day. That whatever you need when you get up in the morning, whatever you need emotionally or physically, although it may be different than what I need, God has the bread for you that day. And he has what you need every day. Come on, somebody. But this is why it's important that we don't judge other people. Well, I don't understand why they need that. Because their bread is different than what you need. And just like, listen, just like I may need a different daily bread, 
you may need a different daily bread. But that encompasses everything that God gives us in the sentence, give us this day our daily bread. Now, here's where we get in trouble. Here's where we start to worry. Jesus said, give us this day. He didn't say, give me tomorrow's bread today. He said, there will be enough bread, listen, for today. We get in trouble because we want tomorrow's bread today. We're here Sunday. It's beautiful, sunny California, paradise, almost like heaven, the Gold Coast, right? Beautiful. This moment is beautiful. But some of us, if we're not careful, we are not in this moment. We're already in tomorrow. Man, Monday, I hate Monday. Well, listen, it's not Monday yet. Traffic's going to be, listen, you're sitting in church. Relax, chillax, man. We're good. It's not Monday yet. It's Sunday. And we're here in church. And see, what we start to do is we start to worry about tomorrow. But can I, can I just tell you, here's the good news. Tomorrow will have bread for itself. There is bread enough for every day. But God's not going to give you tomorrow's bread today. If you remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, God supernaturally supplied for them. It was a thing called manna. One translation calls it bread. And it, <laughs> it's funny because the children of Israel looked at it and said, what is it? That's what manna means. What is it? And they looked at it, and I just thought I'd read it to you because God gave them, God gave them specific instructions. This is what he said. I want you to gather enough bread for the day. And if you try to gather more, it would all turn to worms at night. And look at this. I just found this interesting in Exodus chapter 16, verse 15 and 16. It says, And Moses said to them, he was the leader of the people at that time, and Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Look at verse 16. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Watch this. Let every man gather, what is that? According to one's what? Need. So I, I, I thought this, this is even Old Testament. And he's saying that even in the Old Testament, God will supernaturally supply for your need. And the needs that you have today, here's the great news, there is bread for those needs. And tomorrow when you wake up, whatever tomorrow will come, there is bread for tomorrow's problems. There is supply. So don't worry. Be happy. The bread's coming. There's bread for today, and there's bread for tomorrow. You know what I found interesting is that in this culture, at the time, the phrase, give us this day our daily bread, it carries with this understanding. So when Jesus was talking about this in the culture, it actually meant this. To eat the bread someone gave you means to be supported by that someone. So when I took of that bread and I ate it, there was a connotation that I'm being supported by the person that is giving me that bread. You know what this is saying? God wants you to take of this bread, and as you take of the bread, realize that God is your provider. All of your needs. He is the one that takes care of you and that the bread comes from him. Now, that's a huge battle in today's society. Because people are like, I ain't got no problems. I don't need no help. Nobody's going to help. I don't need no help. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Let's just be authentic and real. We all need help at times. Can you say a good amen? 
And it's hard for us to realize that we are not our own providers, that God is our provider. Yes, God uses your job, but can I just tell you, this is why people who lose their job and they don't understand this principle or this truth, they go crazy. And I'm like, listen, God was using that job, but just like he gave you that job, he can gave, give you another one. And sometimes you losing your job is a blessing in disguise because you would have never moved from that place because you are a person of ritual and rituals and you do the same thing and now all of a sudden God had opened up a door for something better but it's hard for us to realize that really indeed he is our provider and so Jesus is saying give us this day our daily bread when you wake up in the morning just realize whatever I need physically emotionally there is bread for today isn't that a good word so we don't have to worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will have bread for itself. Let's go down to verse 12. And then Jesus said, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. With the verse, what's interesting is that when you look at this verse in verse 12, we can't just look at that as a standalone verse, and here's why. Because there's two other verses that are going to talk about forgiveness. If you go down to verse 14, you go down to verse 15, he talks about forgiveness. Let me just read verse 15. He says this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, the theme here in these verses is obviously forgiveness. And I, when I read the Bible, I always look at what Jesus put some emphasis on. So what I think we have to look at is he mentions forgiveness not just once, but he mentions it twice. Jesus does not mince words. He could have used any word, any time, and he chose to focus on forgiveness. So I thought if Jesus is going to focus on forgiveness, Pastor Phil is going to focus on forgiveness. Come on, somebody. Because that's what he's focusing on. And I think he focused on that, and this is what I believe, because he knew how hard it would be for some of us to give forgiveness. Have you ever had that little battle of forgiving people? And so Jesus uses these words. He uses the word debt debtors. He uses the word in verse 14, 15, he uses the word trespasses. And so let's look at those words today because I believe this is going to really help you have a good understanding of, of the Lord's prayer so we can get the full impact of what Jesus uh, wants us to. And so I think it's interesting that of all of these prayers that in the prayer that he added a special, special uh, wording or actually focused on, on forgiveness. Now, I used to really struggle with forgiving people, really. Like, I wasn't really ever a violent guy. You know, they always say you're either a lover or a fighter. I was a lover, but I was not a fighter. But I will tell you this, I had some internal fights going on because I was the kind of guy like, yeah, I'll forgive you, but you're going to pay. Right? And so that didn't come naturally to me at all. But what I'm going to share with you today has so helped me that I believe, just like we look at daily bread, you are going to have to forgive daily. 
Something's going to happen, and usually does. You know why? Because we are on a planet with people. And people make mistakes. Have you figured that out yet? People make mistakes. So there is an emphasis on now for me, forgiveness is easy. People come and go. I probably have right even now four or five knives in my back that people, it doesn't matter to me. It's easy. I forgive. But you say, Pastor Phil, how can you do that? I'm going to show you what I believe Jesus was telling us. Let's jump into it. Verse 12. Are you ready? He says this, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So when you read these verses, you need to read these verses and under, with the understanding that these are not, listen, these are not the only verses about forgiveness, right? Can we, have you read other verses about forgiveness? Just like if I were to read John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Great verse. Love that verse. But is that the only verse about God's love? Absolutely not. There's tons of verses about God's love that nothing can separate us from God's love. So I think what happens sometimes is we can look at verses and we just think, well, okay, well, Jesus said this and that's, that's what it means. Yeah, but we have to look at the whole encompassing of what forgiveness is and what Jesus did. Does that make sense to everybody? Because growing up, I used to read these, and I would think this. I used to think, God, if I do not forgive somebody, God is withholding his forgiveness from me. I used to live that way. used to thought. Never knew, okay, am I forgiven today? Who did I forgive? I don't know if I'm forgiven today. And it's a big, big confusion. There's a lot of confusion in that. You don't know where you stand with God. And I always thought, well, if I withheld forgiveness, that God withheld forgiveness from me. Now, let's think a little bit this morning. We know, though, in the New Testament that all of our sins are forgiven. Why? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Can I hear a good amen? All of our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Now, I have people tell me this, Pastor Phil, you cannot tell people their future sins are forgiven. You cannot say that. I say, okay, let me ask you this. Were you alive when Jesus died on the cross? No. Okay, so if you were not alive when Jesus died on the cross, when he died on the cross, everything from that point was future because you weren't even alive yet. He died for sins even before you committed them. All of your sins. So here we go. Oh, I made a sin. Oh, God. God's like, hey, that was covered under my blood over 2,000 years ago. And here we are. Why are we all getting out of, oh, my goodness. And he's like, it's covered. It's under the blood. You are forgiven. So we just get up. We say, thank you, God. I am forgiven. There's forgiveness for sins that you have not even committed yet. Come on, say a good amen. This kind of thinking will get you out of this. I don't know today where I stand with God. Listen, you are forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross, my church family. So in fact, listen, God is not withholding forgiveness from you or from me. In fact, listen, this is what the literal Greek text reads. It reads this way. We forgive as we are forgiven. 
So I'm going to forgive you because Christ has forgiven me. Now, this is interesting, and we have to understand this. I say it this way. I can only forgive you because I realize that I am forgiven. See, that's where I struggled. I didn't want to forgive people, but what happened with me is that I didn't want to forgive you, but yet I had a whole bunch of sins that I needed forgiveness for also. So what Jesus is saying is he's saying, realize how much you have been forgiven. Now, I'm going to take a little caveat here. Just stop for a minute. I don't want any show of hands. I'm just going to ask, just so you think. If today I were to put all of your sins up on this great screen, all of them, listed them, right? They probably all wouldn't fit. Come on, somebody. Mine included. But if I were to tell you, that I could select all with a cursor and delete them because of what Jesus did on the cross, we would feel so free and say, thank God. Well, what God is saying and Jesus is saying is because you have been forgiven so much and the cost was paid that was so great, do the same for others. Do the same for others. The Bible talks about this is not love, that you loved God, but that God loved you. God loved you first even before you loved God. Well, can I just say this? Even before you forgave one person, you were already forgiven when you came to Jesus. You came to Jesus and said, God, forgive me, and he gave you his forgiveness. Forgiveness. Can we agree on that, my church family? So Jesus is saying that I'm supposed to say, I am to forgive you just as God has forgiven me. So again, if you've come to our church, you always hear me say this. I am blessed, why? To be a blessing. I am loved by God so I can love others. I am forgiven by God, not just for me to be forgiven by God, but I am forgiven by God. Why? So I can forgive others. Everything that God does in you, he wants to do through you. He wants to love you so you can love your neighbor. We read that, remember, in the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. How can I love my enemies? I cannot love my enemies in my own strength. You're absolutely right. So what you have to do is you have to understand the truth of how much God has so loved you. And when you were dirty, rotten, stinking little scoundrel, God loved you. And you said, okay, God, thank you for your love. Now when your enemy is acting the same way, he's saying, I want you to give them the same love that I gave you. Come on, that's a good word this morning. Let's give him a great round of applause. Would you do that? Are you understanding that? So it would be really hard for me to forgive you until I understand how much God has forgiven me. This has helped me so much. Every time somebody offends me, and how many of you would agree, today it just seems like anything offends everybody. I'm offended because I'm offended. Come on. And see, this is how we, this is Christ wants us to live in forgiveness so you're not walking around with this big old weight on your shoulders. And here's what I realize. Every time somebody does something to me, somebody hurts me, I always, and I didn't know this. Honestly, I would just do this, and I didn't really know this is what Jesus was saying, but I always start to say, you know what, God? You forgave me when I messed up. You forgave me my sins. And see, I was real in touch with my sins. I know what I did. I'm real aware. 
And when I think about how good he has been to me and how he has forgiven everything that I have done, how can I withhold that from someone else? And let me say this in all humility. What they did to Jesus on the cross, they plucked out his beard, right? They whipped him, scourged him. We don't talk about the emotional stuff he went through on those days where he went through grueling punishment. He went through punishment, ladies and gentlemen, so you and I could be forgiven. But can I just say this in all humility? What they did to Jesus does not compare what a person has done to you. Well, I'm hurt and I'm sad. Yeah, I, I, I get it. But he was bruised and punished and beaten and gave his life. And so we can talk about how we have the right to be offended and how they hurt us. But I'm just going to tell you, if you want to take your story and put it up against what Jesus went through, there is no comparison, ladies and gentlemen. And Jesus on the cross standing there said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And if on the cross, Jesus can give humanity forgiveness for all of your sins, who are we to withhold forgiveness because somebody cut us off on the freeway? So I'm forgiven to forgive. I'm forgiven to forgive. So we need to experience our Father's forgiveness. How many of you have experienced God's forgiveness? Come on, let me see your hand. How many of you have experienced that great, great forgiveness? And we need to experience, listen, daily. Daily. Daily bread, daily forgiveness. I'm forgiven today because of what Jesus did. Now, people say, I can, okay, Pastor Phil, I can understand I'm forgiven. When I got saved, God forgive me from this point on. And he did. But can I just tell you, there's also forgiveness for your future. There's forgiveness for your future. There's actually forgiveness for ahead. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I am forgiven all the days of my life. I thought I'd get a better amen than that. All the days of your life, you're forgiven. Why? Because of what Jesus did. Now listen, just like the kingdom of God we talked about last week comes with you. Remember thy kingdom come? What does, kingdom, what does come mean in the, in the Greek? It means journey. Your life's a journey. And just as I go to work, the kingdom of God comes with me. Why? Because the kingdom of God is in me. And so you know what? Just as I go to work, the kingdom is in me. You know what? Just as I wake up tomorrow and the bread and the supply is with me, ladies and gentlemen, his forgiveness is with us every day also every day. And I want to challenge you. This changed my life. Stop focusing on your mess ups and start focusing on his forgiveness. It will change your life. You say, well, Pastor Phil, if you keep telling people that they're forgiven because of Jesus, then they're going to go out and sin and they're going to live any way that they want. Actually, it doesn't work that way. When you start to really realize the sacrifice that Jesus did, you don't want to sin anymore. You start to realize what price that he paid for your life that you start to say, I don't want to do that because that costs Jesus his life. And so it begins to build this idea of a righteousness consciousness instead of a sin consciousness. I'm going to mess up. I'm condemned. I feel guilty. Stop thinking that way. Jesus took all of your condemnation, guilt on the cross. Listen, God punished him so you wouldn't have to punish yourself. 
and went, listen, I'm going to say something bold. Because when you sit here and punish yourself because you think it's religious and I have to pay for my sins, what you're saying is that what Jesus did wasn't good enough. Let's just be real. I know it sounds holy, but you know what? In reality, what you're saying is that since you have to pay for your sins, what Jesus did wasn't good enough. My church family, what Jesus did was great. It was good enough. That's why he said it was finished. And all we have to do is put faith in that sacrifice. Come on, can you give him a good round of applause this morning? We are forgiven. Are you still awake? Just touch your neighbor and make sure they're still awake. Let's look at this definition of forgive. Forgive in the Greek means this, to send away or from. To send away or from. Why is this important, Pastor Phil? Because when God forgives you, listen, he doesn't keep your sins right here. This is what a lot of people think. He keeps them right here so he can point to them whenever. Hey, The word forgiveness actually means to send away. How far away? You know the Bible says that he sends our sins away as far as the east is from the west. Psalms chapter 103 verse 12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know that you can't even measure that? You can't measure the east from the west? So he's saying, you know how far he puts it away from? From you, it's immeasurable. That's why you hear the, the, the people say, you got to forgive and forget. I don't want to forget. I will never, I will forgive them, but I will always remember. Thank God, God doesn't feel that way because he separates and sends away our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Forgiveness also means this, to let go from oneself and to let go from the obligation to oneself, to let it Go. So here's where we see the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness lets go. It lets go from whoever hurt you. Listen, I like to say it this way. When I forgive you, I'm letting you go. I will not be connected to you anymore. So, Pastor Phil, are you saying that I have to forgive my ex. He is such a jerk. You do not understand how much of a jerk my ex is. Well, your ex has let you go. Your ex is gone. Your ex is having fun and they have moved on. So if your ex is such a jerk, why do you stay connected to him through unforgiveness? Why don't you just let it go and send him away? But here's what we do. We want to stay connected. And I say that, and I give you that example because it's a little bit light, but I know that there are some of us listening to the podcast or listening to us here this morning that people have done things to us, maybe even abusive, and yet if we don't forgive, we stay connected to that person. And what we have to do is we have to let it go. you got to let it go. You know, I find that if I will forgive and I'll let them go, there's a freedom. But when I don't, I'm the one that has the problem. I'm upset. You don't have to believe what they did to me. And they're on Facebook. They're in Hawaii. The people that hurt you like, yeah, we're having a great time. You're over here. Uh, and the only one that snagged is you. And, I was, uh, and they're great. They moved on. They got remarried. They're having fun. And here you are. I ain't never going to get married again. <laughs> And who does it hurt the worst? 
Somebody said unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die from it. And that's what happens. Unforgiveness starts to set in if you don't just let it go. Pastor Phil, if I let it go, then I'm saying what they did to me, I'm, it's, it, that I'm just condoning what they did. No. When Jesus died on the cross for us and our sin, he wasn't condoning sin. He was doing away with it so you and I could be free. And freedom comes through forgiveness. And Jesus said, forgive. You know, I really believe when we forgive, I think it's one of the greatest ways to show people the grace and the power of Jesus Christ to say, I forgive you. I forgive you. I was a youth pastor for 20 years, 11 years in our previous church. And uh, one night I got a phone call that a young man in our youth ministry had been killed by a drunk driver. He had stopped and pulled over off of the freeway to help one of his friends. And a guy who had been convicted probably eight or nine times of DWI hit him in the back and killed this young man. It was an absolute tragedy. Our youth ministry went into crisis. And I'll never forget, never forget, sitting down with Aaron's parents. And I was broken. I knew Aaron. He was the drummer for our worship team. And I remember sitting down with Aaron's parents and then just looking at us and say, and they said these words, Phil, we can't believe what happened, but we want you to know that we have forgiven that man. I'm just telling you, my church family, you experience the grace and the power. When they said that, I just thought, that's what Jesus would do. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean that there's no consequence. It just means that you let it go and you give it to God. Jesus said, and I, let me just read this. I put this in my note. My notes. There is no other trait than than we as as a species can exhibit that is more divine than forgiveness. Forgiveness is divine. It's God's imprint on our lives. We are forgiven. And I just want to encourage you today. I don't know who you're still hanging on to, but you need to let it go. You need to let it go. Jesus said this also. Forgive us our debts. What does the word debts mean? Debts means an offense or trespasses, listen, that requires reparation. Reparation means you did something to me, you owe me. You owe me. Listen, and it's not easy to, right, it's not easy to let go of the right to be offended and to want payback. We want to be paid back. And here's what I think. I think sometimes we don't forgive because this is what we're waiting for. Somebody hurt us, and we already worked this all out in our head. I will forgive them when they forgive me. I will forgive them when they come to me and they get down on my, their knees and say, please, Please forgive me what I did to you. Because, right, we're fantasizing about this, that they would come and say, I'm so sorry that I hurt you. Ladies and gentlemen, that only happens in the movies. It doesn't happen in real life. Come on, can I hear a good amen? Maybe in some chick flicks, maybe in some romance novels, but in real life, have you ever had that happen? Have you ever had a person come back to you and say, oh, I'm so sorry? And then you, very spiritual and holy, you, say, you will say, Yes, I will forgive you, right? Because you worked that all out in your head and it doesn't go that way. But I am not to forgive because they forgive me. Listen, I am to forgive because Christ forgave me. 
My standard is not other people. My standard is Christ. My standard is Christ. And so I have to give you that forgiveness. And listen, the kind of unforgiveness and, and this kind of debt, will you owe me? That's not sending it away. That's keeping it right here. And I, you're going to pay. You will pay. You will pay. Sometimes even in marriage it gets that way. Listen, if you're married, one of the best, best marital advice I can give you is be quick to forgive. Be quick to forgive. Don't keep, love does not count, right? Count wrongs. Well, you did this four times. You did this two times, 2.5. I, I counted. You almost did it. You almost. No, that's not sending it away. You have to release it and let it go. It's interesting because everybody has faults. We all have faults. And then in verse 15, 14 and 15, Jesus says, and he talks about trespasses. Let me just end with this today. Trespasses means this. Faults. I love this one. Lapses. Honey, I won't ever do that again. Oops, I just did it. I lapsed. That even under our lapsing, God forgives us. See, and again, let me just challenge this again. Oh, Pastor Phil, God forgave me when I came to Jesus and he forgave me of my sins, and he did. But here's what we get stuck. Oh, we made another mistake. Oh, Pastor Phil, I said that again. I guess there's not forgiveness for that. No, there's forgiveness for that. Even when you lapse, there's forgiveness. And can I just encourage you? If Jesus gives you forgiveness when you lapse, how about we give people forgiveness when they lapse? Come on, can I hear a good amen, a better amen than that? It means trespasses means fault, lapse, or error. Have you ever made an error? Ever made an error? Anybody besides me ever made an error that was totally beyond you? I mean, you just, ladies and gentlemen, it's all covered. You're forgiven. You're forgiven, even in your lapses. You don't know how many people as a pastor, I, they struggle with this lapse thing. Pastor Phil, you know, I was doing so good, and I lapsed. Well, can I just tell you, even before you lapsed, there was forgiveness, and when you lapsed, there's forgiveness. So get up. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. Get back up. Up. Isn't that what happens in football? Somebody's hurt. Everybody stops. Some players take a knee. And what is the question? Will they get back up? And when they get back up, the stadium gets up. Yeah, they got back up. My church family, it's not about how many times you fall. It's about will you get back up? And we serve a God who will help you get back up. Uh, Pastor Phil, why, why do people just, I don't understand why people make so many mistakes. Can I just say welcome to the human race? Welcome to the human race. Humans have error in judgment. You have error in judgment. I do. And here's what it comes down to. Here's how we end today in the light of this text of what Jesus was saying in verse 14 and 15. This is how I love to read them and I hope it helps you. Listen. If I am not forgiving men their trespasses, it is because I am not being forgiven my trespasses by my Father. If I am forgiving men their trespasses, it is because I am also experiencing forgiveness of my trespasses from my Father. So what it comes down to is 
do we believe, Passion Life Church, that our Father is and will continue to forgive us? Do we believe that? Do we believe that? Then if we believe he is and will continue, then I will and I will and continue to forgive others. And let me close with this. Anytime you are challenged with forgiving other people, just stop for a moment and realize how much God has forgiven you. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 